announcing you head over there. You picked that. What do you call that? Bumper music, Eric? That's right. This is our theme music. That's right. You picked the that for me. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, thank you. It's a catchy tune. It is not a bad one, yeah. Hey, you're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim. That's me on Tuesday, August 27, 2019. If you're listening on a different date, then this is a rebroadcast of a prior show. Again, I'm your host, Greg McKim. And this show, we talk about just about anything I can think of related to owning a home, including buying and selling in homes, financing homes, insuring, remodeling, flipping homes, rental properties, you name it. Family homes, condos, townhomes, apartment complexes. How do I have enough of a background to talk about these things? Well, I started in real estate-related industries back in the 70s. First started as a carpenter, laborer, pouring concrete, digging foundations, that sort of thing, all the way up to owning a mortgage company in the 2000s. I am a licensed real estate broker with Rockwell Realty. been doing that for 10 years and a licensed loan originator with Loanzilla. Legally, I have to tell you my loan origination number, which is, ready? One, you don't want to miss this. You want to write down my Loanzilla number, 10620. Actually, that's my personal number, 106202. I just wasted 15 seconds on that. And the company license, Loanzilla, is 67412. So what is my primary goal of this show? It's to help consumers make good financial decisions about selling, buying, and owning homes. And Eric, you might attest to this. I do share information I hear that you don't hear many other places. That's true. I call it, I kind of pull back the curtain and you see the real Wizard of Oz. That's my goal because most of the information you get out there is the same old, same old. And I don't know exactly why, but banks, real estate brokers, loan originators, don't go about sharing information that we all know would help the consumer. I don't know it's just laziness or what the reason is. I won't speculate. But they don't. Most of them. There's some, but not many. There might be a profit motive in Maybe. there. Maybe. And I don't yeah. want to stand here and you know talk like I'm some you know super, you know I don't want to sound arrogant, but I've been doing this for 28 years now, and I've looked high and low for educational materials to help consumers. I haven't found any that I, that I, would, that I would point you to. If you, if you aren't listening right now and you find something you think is very valuable information that would help the listening audience or anybody I could share it with, feel free to call in during the show or any other topic at 425-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527. One of the things that I've done on some of my prior shows, which you can find um, via podcast, is I bust what I call mortgage myths. That's seven or eight of those, things that people believe are true that are simply not true. And if you want to find out more about those, go to the podcasts. You can find them at 1150kknw.com under audio archives. You can always reach me directly offline or off air, I should say, at 206-250-6545. That's my mobile. Again, 206-250-6545. Or email me at gmckim at loanzilla.com. That's G-M-C-K-I-M at loanzilla.com. So today my show is going to be a little bit more of an elaboration of a prior show a few weeks ago where I talked about different lending sources. The most traditional and most common are Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, FHA, VA. There's other types of loan sources. And today I'm privileged to have the co-founder and co-CEO of a lender on 
as a guest today via phone. His name is Brian, and he's going to be talking about some of the specific products that they carry that you can't find at a normal bank. But before I do that, I'm going to do my little 5 to 10-minute mortgage and real estate update. I like to start with interest rates. People always want to know what's going on with interest rates, so I, I, I printed a sheet from one of the lenders we work with as of today. And what I will tell you is that, as you might remember from prior shows, is there's no such thing as an interest rate. Interest rates always come, well, by the way, this is for the standard conforming Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, and there's 90% of loans are done that way. The exceptions to that, we're not going to talk about. So for that type of a loan, you can probably get a rate of around three and a quarter and pay a a reasonable origination fee and normal closing costs. Now that's down from last month at this time at three and three eighths. So it's down an eighth in rate. I'm not quoting an APR because I'm not soliciting or quoting anything right now. I'm just telling you the general direction of interest rates. So they've dropped in the last month by about an eighth for a given cost. And compare that to the beginning of, uh, end of January this year, that same, that same cost for a rate would be three and seven eighths. So rates have dropped about 0.625. That's substantial. Everybody wants me to look into my crystal ball and tell them what I think rates are going to do. And I think they're going to stay about the same with some slight downward pressure, but nothing substantial one way or the other. So as far as real estate goes, I'm not going to talk about the local market because it hasn't changed a lot in the last couple months. But I will relay to you a, a news story that I received from one of my sources that I subscribe to. And this source is called the Mortgage Brokers Professional Magazine. And it talks about first-time home buyer activity. And the headline is home buyer act- first-time home home buyer activity underperforms despite an uptick in housing affordability. So what does that mean? Well, that means people who are first time in the market are not buying as many homes as projections said they might, even though homes are becoming more affordable. Now, why would homes become more affordable nationwide? Two reasons. There has been a slight price drop across the nation and people's incomes have gone up. So those things make, so the question is, why haven't people been jumping into first-time home buyers. And according to this article, single-family home purchases were down 4% compared to the same time last year. And that's um, for first-time home buyers, who represent about 55% of all purchases and 36% of uh, buyers who bought homes in the second quarter of 2018. Here's a quote from someone. The contraction in the number of first-time home buyers came as a surprise because the overall housing market has seen a moderate rebound compared to, hey, let me go to the next page here and get my paperclip out of the way. Despite the, oh, I must have cut part of the article off. Unfortunately, I did. All right, well, so the question is, housing affordability continues to improve mainly by falling mortgage rates and falling home price growth or and or faster wage growth. So why are first-time home buyers still not, not getting in the market the way it predicted? Mainly down payments. They just don't have the money to do the down payment, even though there are a lot of low down payment programs out there. So that just gives you a general feel of what's going on in the industry. Not very eye-opening, I guess, but I thought it was kind of interesting because I'm a wonk about these things. And then I like to periodically bring, up, uh, bring attention to some of the misbehavior of the large financial institutions. Typically, it's Wells Fargo. So here we go. Wells Fargo. This is an article by the same magazine that I subscribe to, Mortgage Professional Association magazine, dated August of 20, uh, August 23rd. 
written by Ryan Smith. Wells Fargo back in the spotlight for another scandal. And um, one of the bank's most criti- persistent critics in the Senate is demanding answers. And that senator is Elizabeth Warren. She asked um, Wells Fargo to pr- provide information on their, pra- their practice, that is Wells Fargo, of charging fees on people's closed accounts. You know, there's been a litany of these things from Wells the last couple of years, Eric. Every time you turn around, Wells Fargo is doing something. Oh, I know. It's unbelievable. So what they've been doing is they've been actually, after you've closed your checking account, still charging your fees on it. This is crazy. Yeah. And then, because you have a fee charge on an account that doesn't have a balance on it, they charge your late fees. Hmm. So, anyways, that's, that's just, I won't go on the whole article. But it, it, look it up online if you're interested, listeners, because it's just another example. And I bring this up all the time to people. I say, so I'm not trying to badmouth these companies, but I certainly want to hold their feet to the fire. Yeah. Is that if as a consumer, you're looking to get a home loan, I, I, I highly encourage you to consider small local banks, small local mortgage brokers like Loanzilla, who don't do these kind of things. Why continue to support these giant banks who ran us into the ground in 2007, 2008, profited from it, got bailed out, and continue to pull these kind of antics? You can see that I start getting a little riled up about it. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that That's stuff. okay, Greg. It's your show. You can it's get riled show. up. I can be riled up about whatever I want. So I am going to introduce Brian O'Shaughnessy, co-founder and co-CEO. He's president of, uh, co-CEO of Athos Capital Group and president of Rama Capital Partners, LLC. Both companies he co-founded in 2008. Is is Brian on the phone yet? I am on the phone, Greg. Did Pleasure you? to have uh, uh, me on the, on, the, on the show. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. And there's, here's my, my producer, Eric. Eric, say hello to Brian. Hello, Brian. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you? Great. Brian, where, where are you located today? We're located in Calabasas, California. Okay. Is it nice down there today? It is beautiful. Well, we have about 84 degrees. I'm staring out over the uh, city of Bellevue, and I can see the Olympic Mountains in the horizon. We have a beautiful um, scenic studio vista here. It's really nice, a lot of, a little studio. Fantastic. So um, this is the first time Brian and I have actually spoken in person. We've done some emails back and forth. I asked him, and he graciously accepted to be on my show. Did you listen to any of the lead-in, or just were you just on hold, Brian? No, I did listen to the lead-in. Absolutely. Last five to seven minutes, I was on the phone listening to you. So you start. You hear me start ranting and raving a little bit about Wells? Yes. <laughs> I yes. do that periodically when I find these articles because it just gets under my skin. But you, pro- you probably have some of the same feelings having been in the industry for a while, how the, the large yep. institutions keep pulling these shenanigans and seem to get away with it all the time. So, so now um, you were president once of a, a, lo- a company I'm not familiar with called Quality Home Loans, and um, you joined them in the- for for a, a month. They for were my biggest competitor. Oh, really? And they bought me in June of 2007. I was uh, we were in the hard money business, and they acquired me, and and I was thankful for that. And uh, then the market collapsed, and you know securitization uh, couldn't support quality home loans anymore, and uh, right. the company went the way of the dodo just like everybody else. Remember that there was an online monitor called, I think it was called the Implodometer? Do you remember that, Brian? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> the whole year up to the sale of my company, uh, we watched subprime companies fall, uh, which actually helped spur the growth of hard money um, yeah. and uh uh, unfortunately, the company that bought my company you know, was 100% tied to securitization, and you know that disappeared for oh eight years. 
Well, let's let me back up just a second here, Brian, to let the listening audience know why I have you on the show, how it could benefit them. So one of the shows I did a couple weeks ago, I talked about different avenues for a consumer to obtain a loan. The most common, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and then you go with FHA and VA. And I talked a little bit about portfolio lenders that are lenders who don't sell their loans to Fannie Freddie. And sure. I thought this show would be helpful. There's, there's probably a few listeners out there today, maybe a handful, who have beat their head against a wall looking for a loan. They just feel like they can't find it. They walk into their, their bank and they say, we can't do that. They might talk to a mortgage broker, too, says, we don't have that available. But yep. it's surprising what is available. And, of course, it has to make sense. But you get an example where I, I came across your company because I was looking for a specific product to help with a, a property where the property was an H, is an HOA, and the HOA is in litigation right now. And most, yep. most of the companies didn't want to touch it. But you guys said, we'll do it. So, Yeah. Uh, I mean, though we're concerned of H, uh, HOA litigation, that's not one of them. Um, but for you listeners, Assets Capital Group's, all of their products don't even ask for a condo cert. We've been condo cert free or HOA cert free since inception. What that uh, means which makes things a little bit easier. Yeah, and of course most of the listeners don't know what that means. But if you're buying an HOA and you're getting a loan from standard lending sources, they don't always require a condominium certification, but oftentimes they do. And there's a two or three page sometimes list of all the financial uh, financials and other particulars about the condo association and sometimes it can make a transaction go sideways you can't buy in there and not only like uh occupancy Mm -hmm. and and past litigation and in this case it's not it's not just a challenge brian for the borrower the buyer of the property the seller bought a home moved into it put his house in the market weeks after he did that the hoa sued the developer because they have a window to do that for, for construction defects which aren't even visible they're just you know they go through like a forensic inspection they find flashing issues and stuff right nothing that's going to yeah, almost a hundred percent of the condo projects nowadays you know the hoa does sue the builder uh to try to get something at yeah. the end yep uh and that really doesn't concern us and in this case the seller was they, the seller was referred to me not the buyer he says help 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 and I looked around, yep. and I found you guys. And I've talked to a few lenders. So now I've got a seller who's happy because he can sell his property, and i got a buyer who's happy because the property's probably worth about six fifty, and he's getting it for $600. Yeah, well, we're, so everybody, we're just happy to serve the brokerage community, and I'm glad that we earned your business. Yeah, and I, you know, so far I've really enjoyed working with Wayne. He's really a top-notch account executive. Wayne, so, without a doubt, yeah. is a great... He's a guy, like, here. Sunday night he texts me back, you know. I'm like, I don't expect it till the next day he's texting me back. But, yeah, that's very common here. Um, we work seven days a week. Uh, usually we start at 7 o'clock in the morning, we end at 9. And weekends here, there's, you know, a good 10 to 20% of our staff in ops uh, that are working Saturdays and Sundays to service the broker's needs. So now I'm not so, I'm not so sure that's a good thing, if that means Brian's a good guy or Brian's a slave driver. I don't know. <laughs> Brian pays a lot of overtime. <laughs> okay. So, depending if you want that or not, we don't force people to work. But, right. uh, it, you know, like we, ha- we have to make sure our deals get close by the end of the month for our brokers. That's the name of the business. I mean, I've been in this business 28 years, and, you know, you just it's service. And um, so consumer, listener out there, there are times when you think you can't find a loan, and this is one of the best reasons, and you probably agree with me, Brian, Working with a mortgage broker oftentimes is to the consumer's advantage instead of going to a bank. Because a mortgage broker like me, what did I do when I ran across a situation? 
I looked until I found the lender. Yeah. I know where to I look. Mean, you go back to 2008 um, through 2010, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, all the big banks did everything in their power to put brokers out of business. They tried. It really wasn't nice, and they wanted to corner the marketplace. That's right. And you just can't. Um, it makes sense for a borrower to go to a broker so that the broker can shop around multiple product lines, uh, especially if you're impaired in some way and you can't get a Fannie Freddie loan. Mm-hmm. You know, the broker has to do some research, get out there, That's find right. the right lender that can service the borrower's unique situation. And when you go out and call a bank, you know, the, the big five banks, they're not going to tell you about non-prime. They're not going to tell you about hard money. They're not going to tell you about alternative documentation. They're going to tell you you can't qualify, and, and that's it. And that's you think it. you can't go buy a house, and there's just so much more out there for you. That's right. That's exactly and right. And the brokers are the key to getting you the right loan. And as you know, the brokerage community, we survived that onslaught by the big banks because they did everything they could to put us out of business. But we are, yeah, we are you, flourishing and, and growing again. you still again. have almost the exact same percentage of loans closed as you did before the great collapse. And it's growing because consumers yep, like it. That is correct. Yeah. Borrowers so, want to know that they have more than one option. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Right. So brokers so, are the ticket to that. So back to the listener again. So the type of loans that a company like Athos, and you, 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 you run two companies, Rama Capital and Athos, um, atta- yeah, there's there's a weird reason for the two names, but it's really just one group. We okay. we have five companies here. We all run them together, and uh, Aleem and I are the co-CEOs of all of them. Okay. So one of the questions that comes up periodically is, well, where do these people get their money? How, how do they fund the loans? Because you're not really a bank, like a regular bank. You don't sell your loans to, Fann- to Fann- Fannie and Freddie. So maybe you can answer that question for us, Brian. Where, where does Athos come sure. up with the money to fund these loans? We get uh, the money to fund our loans in multiple directions. Um, you brought up Rama, which Rama is our Reg D fund. It's like, uh, in layman's terms, it's like a mutual fund for mortgages, if you will. Okay. And it is our bank. Uh, people deposit money into the Rama fund. They get a certain yield, uh, which is much, much higher than what the banks pay. I think we've been paying around 8%. Um, and we uh, portfolio loans within that corporation. And there's about 250, a quarter billion dollars worth of paper that, that stays, you know, maybe it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less. It's always growing, especially now where the, you can't get a, a yield in the bank. So the, the Rama Fund is growing, and we portfolio a certain type of loan uh, in that uh, portfolio, and it allows us to write loans that banks can't do because it's our bank, it's our rules. Right, And then um, we participate in uh, selling into Remix or securitizations, piggybacking securitizations soon. We're hoping to do our first private, private label securitization. We also consult, believe it or not, to some banks that most people don't get in. They don't produce their own loans and they just want our loans because they like our quality paper and they understand the story of our loans. Okay. Um, and we can sell the private individuals too. So our secondary market is really unique compared to, you know, we just have to sell to Fannie and Freddie, which that really, really handcuffs you into a, a qualified mortgage only. And all we do is non-qualified mortgages. By the way, I was talking to Eric before the show started about 
what you would call the types of loans that you offer through Atlas. And I misspoke, Eric. It's not quality versus non-quality. It's mm-hmm. qualified versus non-qualified. And I don't know why I did that. But, you know, every once in a while, I make a mistake. Yeah, it's I qualified mean, mortgages. <laughs> yeah, well, it's right. good to clarify that even if it wasn't on yeah, the air. Yeah, but just for your sake, too, Eric. <laughs> so um, for the listener, how does this, how does this matter to the listener? Well, that, b- back in, the, back in the, the crazy, frothy years of the 2000s, um, a, lot of this, a lot of these securities and things that Brian is t- talking about, the underwriting guidelines were a little bit sloppy. And um, you guys have probably learned from some of those mistakes, and that's one of the reasons we had some of this. Some of the reasons why we had this implosion. Can you talk, touch on that just briefly? What's different now than back then when when subprime loans got out of control, Brian? So sure, back then you heard about liar loans. Yes, uh, and they were lying about their income, and there was no proof of income. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people didn't have to put any money down. In your lead-in, you were talking about you know, the down payment is is the biggest challenge, and it, it still is today. Um, and really, the marketplace and everybody involved, from the borrower to the end user, the bond buyer, and the securitizations, they all lost their mind. Um, and uh, after the great collapse, everybody learned their lesson. I, I think I was quoted in the New York Times is, currently we do uh, sane subprime. Uh, now, that the sane subprime has been relabeled into non-prime. I guess that's the politically correct word. Um, and today, if you're buying an owner-occupied house or for consumer purposes, you are having to prove ability to repay or ATR. And qualified mortgages do that in a very specific way. A non-qualified lender like ourselves can do that in very unique and creative ways, which if you ask me about, I can can rattle that off. Yeah, we'll go through some Uh, of those a little bit. Sure. And then if you do a non-owner occupied house for rental purposes, uh, you still don't have to prove your income. Uh, We're not making people lie about it. But you have to have at least 20% down, um, and most people put much more than that, 35 40% down. And you don't need to qualify off of ATR because it's a business purpose loan, and it's not as regulated as, right. as you know the consumer loan or the owner-occupied loan that had problems in the mm-hmm. past. And so now today we either have ATR, uh, even with down payment, there's no 100% financing uh, back yet. And then if it's a business purpose loan, large down payments of skin in the game. And right. I think that was the biggest problem back then. People didn't have skin in the game. Well, uh, it, they didn't have an interest in, in buying this property. But I, was, correct me if you think anything I'm about to say is, is wrong, but this is how I explain it to people. I say, look, stated income loans, option arms, we have negative amortization, no income loans. These things fit a niche for decades that had no problem. They, they performed well, and they were designed for people that had unusual types of cash flow, say somebody who has a big windfall because they develop a property and they don't have income for three years. But they had sure. strict guidelines, 20% down. If you say you made X, you better have that much or more in the bank. Good credit scores. But what happened is the industry started stretching and stretching and stretching to the point where a person who should be handing you a W-2 and a pay stub because that's how they make money was getting a loan without having to produce any proof of income with zero down. It was a recipe for disaster. In fact, I was I was a naysayer. I was the president of the local county, King County Association of Mortgage Professionals, 
And I would sit down and talk at the media and say, we're, we're, this, is a train, this is a train wreck. And a couple people agree with me because it made no sense. Yeah. Why should a person that works at Boeing who has a pay stub not have to produce proof of their income? Yep. My, my last company that I sold to Quality Home Loans, uh, I stopped doing 100% financing in late 2004. Yeah. Because I didn't just I didn't believe in it. Just, and we focused mostly on those lower LTV, hard right. money loans, and and because of that, we weren't hurt that bad. Well, let's talk a little bit about how how potentially some of the products that you offer. Oh, by the way, one other quick question: Do you have a retail presence, or you work strictly through brokers like Loanzilla? Um, we do not have a retail presence. Unlike some of our competitors, uh, I don't want to compete with brokers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get my, our model is. A hundred percent focused on broker business, uh, so we don't have a retail division. Uh, once in a while, we'll have a realtor that calls us up and says, you know, just close this borrower if if we're licensed, uh, if the rep is licensed, or it's a business purpose that doesn't need license. We'll handle it, but it's like a, a minuscule amount of our business. Mm-hmm. We also don't do correspondent. Um, we are hyper focused on brokers mm-hmm. and serving the needs of loan brokers across the United States. And you're in all 50 states? Um, no. Uh, depending on our product type, um, I, I can't quote how many states uh, we're in. We're, we should be in 47 states uh, eventually. We won't be in Michigan. We won't be in Ohio. And we won't be in Alaska. The one I'm most interested in, of course, is the one I'm in, which is Washington. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii. We, we land in Hawaii. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to skip the break, Eric. Just going to keep talking. We usually have a break about this time, Brian, but I'm not going to do it. So what I have okay. here in my hands, provided to me by the account executive who I, I, I communicate with, Wayne, are highlights of different programs you offer. And this is, okay. this is, this is why the listener is you know, tuned in today. It's like, how does this benefit me? So I'm just going sure. to go down some of these things. Let's start on this one. You have this one that's a, a flyer, Brian, called no is not a bad word. So you have loans where you don't, it's called no income verification. We touched on that a little bit briefly. So let's just say a borrower comes in and says, do, when, you, when there's no income verification, could this be on an owner-occupied property? No, that would be, uh, this would that be, would be against the law if it was a consumer purpose. Thank you. like 99% of the deals. Right. Once in a great while, you can get a borrower uh, that needs it for his business uh, and is truly a business loan, and you can do a business purpose loan with no income verification on an owner-occupied property. But there's rules and regulations of you know and hurdles that you have to get over, and it's it's really rare that happens. Now, see, I've not heard of or done a no income verification loan that's you know what I would call you know conforming. For as long as I can remember, everyone, it's always been some sort of commercial. So this is a commercial application, basically, this type of product, right? Yeah, let's say you owned your house free and clear, and you were self-employed, and your business needed an injection of capital. Mm-hmm. And let's say your house was worth a million dollars, and you wanted to borrow 500000 and all of that proceeds of that loan were going to get wired to your business. Yeah, That makes it a business purpose loan, and you wouldn't have to prove uh, ability to repay because it, it's outside the purvey of the CFPB and and all that sort of stuff. Right. But that's really rare. All right. So um, no debt service coverage ratio. Now, that applies to people who are buying rental properties. That is correct. Um, the marketplace is very 
debt service coverage ratio centric. You know, they want to make sure that the rents on the non-owner occupied property can cover the mortgage taxes and insurance. Yep. But we're we're here, you know, in Los Angeles general area, and so we're used to making very large loans. And the Gold Coast, from you know where you are, all the way down to San Diego, the property values are just very high. And uh, when you're making you know 65% LTV loans on a two million dollar house, the rents are not going to cover the debt. Uh, so we're comfortable with that. Uh, and on a non-owner occupied business purpose loan, you don't have to worry about. Uh, you know, ability to repay. So we don't have DFCR coverage rate, uh, uh, hurdles on our non-owner-occupied residential properties. Let's, so let's do an example of this. Somebody wants to go out and buy a property as a rental property for investment purposes, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And let's just say that the mortgage is twenty five hundred and the rent is two thousand. So we got a five. Yep. We got a five hundred dollar gap. Okay, so at what point does that gap come an issue with you? Ever? Never? What? 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 Never. Cri- okay, what criteria do you use though to manage that risk? Because the person clearly they're 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 going negative every every month. So you look at other factors to to sure. Okay. Yeah, credit. Uh, how did they manage their past mortgages or current mortgages? More importantly, uh, how many rental properties do they have? Um, did their uh, FICO score? How much down are they putting? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might buy a $5 million, uh, believe it or not, there are people out there that live in a $20 million house and collect $5 million properties, uh, you know. By the way, I'd just, I'd just like to know, anybody out there that owns a $20 million house and is collecting $5 million properties, please call me. I would love to help you. <laughs> yes, just send them to us because we, we love large loan amounts. Okay. You know, the rents are just not going to, uh, right. you know, qualify that. But you know he might be putting fifty percent down, which is commonplace. I assume you also um, are looking at how much they have in reserve, liquid reserves as well, right? It's, sometimes, not yeah. always. Just it's so. No, it's, not always. Okay, so it's a matter of the the whole picture. Okay. Yeah, you have to look at every single loan holistically. Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't stick it in DULP and get accept, not accept. Right. But it's not kind of underwriting we do. Every single loan has a story that comes to us. And we listen to that story, and now, we try to tailor an individual for, loan that is, you know, acceptable uh, to us as risk. For the listener's sake, when he said you can't just input it into DULP and have it come back yes or no, that's those are the automated software engines that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac use to either approve or decline a loan, and those are no no human beings involved in that process. It just either meets the criteria or it doesn't. What what Brian's saying is, hey, we look at the whole picture. It's like the old days. You'd think we'd walk into the bank and they'd look at you as a human being in your whole picture. They would look, nowadays, it's not done that way. You either fit into the box or you don't. So this type of a loan is a little bit like going back in time. It's like, hey, do you, can we lend to you? Do we feel good lending to you? Do you have an overall financial strength that we think it makes sense? Right, Brian? That is correct. Another one on our bullet point list is you don't have any problem lending in the name of a trust or a corporation, LLC, which Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have big issues with that. But you guys will do that because that's commercial. Well, actually, um, we actually take a little step further on residential loans. Uh, when it's a consumer loan, you know, owner-occupied, we'll actually lend to the family trust that owns that property. Oh, really? 
Yeah, and we won't make you take it out of it. Every other lender, even in our space, makes you take it out of that family trust and then put it back in. And you could trigger an acceleration clause. Yeah, you could. We, we, we don't want to hurt a borrower. Or you can trigger a taxable event. Yeah, which that's true. We don't want to hurt the borrower. So on owner-occupied properties, we're like the only lender that we know of that will lend to the family trust and then the borrower does a PG or the guarantor does the PG, um, which is the person we're running the credit on business purpose loans or non-owner occupied properties or lend to a family trust, LLP, LLC, uh, C-Corp, S-Corp, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. land trust. We'll, we'll do it all. Uh, there just has to be the guarantors behind it with the credit and, okay. and uh, the financial picture. Of course, none of your loans have any type of prepayment penalty. No, that's not true. Um, none of our owner occupied loans that ah, are consumer okay have a prepay because that's against the law. Right. Um, and then on our non-owner business purpose loans, we have products that have uh, all types of different prepays, length of prepays, and our approvals give those borrowers those options. So let's say we have a three-year prepay as normal on one product, and we have multiple products. Uh, we'll give them the approval showing the three-year prepay, two-year prepay, one-year prepay, and no-year prepay, and they can pick between the different pricing options. Got it. You know, we want to sort of cater to the broker's borrower and mm-hmm. put all the options out there that the borrower can qualify for so the borrower can be an informed borrower and pick which one's best for them. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at some other things here. We had talked about earlier you don't have condo questionnaire requirements. You yep. will you will, li- you will um you will lend on condo tell projects and unwarrantable condos. And for the listener, that means these are types of condos that standard lenders just won't touch. Yeah, like if the condo complex has 90% non-owner occupancy right. and only 10% owner occupancy, most lenders don't want to touch that. That's right. We, we've grown accustomed to that and comfortable over 20 years of doing this. Um, if there's litigation, as long as the litigation is not going to crush the HOA, we're, we're willing to listen. But we need to be it needs to be disclosed to us. Yeah, and you know we can get that information from the prelim and the appraisal. We don't need the condo questionnaire, which sometimes can cost the broker money and take a lot of time. And we're more into let's get this loan done as quickly as possible with the least pain as possible for our brokers. Here's a couple of highlights. Looking on the next page here, Brian. Um, if you on an owner owner occupied consumer purpose loan, what that what that means is a person's buying a home. Yep. They can get one hundred percent gift funds. That's that's acceptable. Up to eighty percent LTV. Okay. Uh, when you go above eighty to ninety five, there's a different layers of you know proving right. up uh, where the down payment came from. And I'm gonna make a note a of gift. that. Up to eighty. Yep. Okay. Um. You will lend to foreign nationals as long as they have U.S. credit. And a foreign national, somebody doesn't have an H-1B visa or doesn't have a green card, correct? Yep. That's on owner-occupied. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually the owner-occupied foreign nationals are ITIN borrowers, and they have a work visa. They have an ITIN number that's been assigned to them because they have a job. Because if you're owner-occupied, you have to prove ability to repay. Right. Um, but they don't if you're a- buying a rental property in America, let's say you're a Chinese national and you just want to plant some seeds in America and buy some rental properties, we don't need anything except for a down payment uh, and a copy of your uh, your uh, 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 passport. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, we lend to ghosts that 
have no credit, no American credit. But that's on the rental property side. On the owner-occupied side, you're a night and borrow, and you'll have credit. Okay, so on the rental side, that's because it's a commercial purpose. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty much. We just, you know, can't have the borrow on an OFAC list, uh, meaning that they're, you know, deemed by the United States as a, like a terrorist or a problem. Yeah, uh, of course. And can't yeah. be from an OFAC country. Too. Right, right. And just for the listener out there, there are these are these are laws that have to do with the U.S. Patriot Act and some other things that you know have been put in place to prevent the funding and uh, of, of terrorism, and money, laundering money laundering by terrorist right. groups and stuff like that. Okay, um, what would you say are some of your what what are some of your uh, maybe maybe rephrase this and think it through a little bit. What are, what's the highest percentage of business that you do? What's your biggest selling product? It's, 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 I get that asked a lot. And really, it's evenly split between four product types here. Okay. Uh, consumer, non-prime, which is your owner-occupied. Mm-hmm. Your business purpose, non-prime, which is your non-owner-occupied. And then our hard money product, both long-term and short-term. Sometimes people just want to borrow money for a very short period of time and not have a prepay. You know, maybe six months to three years. Uh, that is... Strangely enough, very popular. Um, and we also have, uh, we're the only lender that does a long-term hard money, 30 years fully amortized, so there is no blunt payments. Um, and that's that's popular. And roughly, depending on the month, they're all about 25% of our business. Well, let's talk a little bit about that long-term hard money. First of all, use the term hard money. What that means, listener, is that's pretty much the the, the riskiest and typically the most expensive type of loan you can get. That's why it's called hard I guess that's where the term came from, Brian. You can tell me. I don't know where it came from. But, yeah, uh, it's been around forever, yeah. private money lending, hard money lending. And it sort of has a negative connotation, yeah. but it's been around so long that people really understand it more than if I just said private lending. Right. That's right. Our hard money is not very hard. Uh, our rates, uh, I think, come next month because they're about to go down. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, right. It will be anywhere from... Six and a half to 9.99. Uh, and it's not very risky. I mean, our average FICO score on our hard money is around 690. <laughs> so well, let me, let me... a lot of good borrowers just take hard money because they just want it quick with less conditions. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's say they have, they said they have an opportunity. I'll give you an example. Two years ago, one of my real estate friends brought me a client who used to be a builder, but he wasn't. He'd gotten out of business. He now owns a financial planning firm, but he came across with the help of my real estate friend. A piece of property has probably the best view of any property I've ever set foot on in my life. It was already graded and permitted and ready to go. It was on the market for about 500000 but um, the person who owned it was in bankruptcy and was going to lose it in auction, foreclosure. So this guy said, I can build this property. I can, I can build this thing over the next 18 months, and I'll hire a builder. I know how to do this, and I can make a million bucks. But he couldn't find anybody to lend on it because he wasn't a builder anymore, blah, blah, blah. Well, I found a lender. And it's a private money lender, which we've been talking yep. about here. And it's sometimes called a hard money lender. And that, that yep. lender, now, it didn't work out quite the way he wanted. It took him two years instead of 18 months, and he made uh, 400000 instead of a million dollars. But if you're a builder out there and you're listening to this show right now, and you've struggled and you look for things like this, it's available. And I can help you find it. It might be through Athos. I don't know. I mean, that's a good source for me to, 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 to well, talk we to. We don't do any construction loans. You don't do loans, But... Okay. We do the main food groups, you know, residential properties, single families, condos, condotels, two to four units, and then commercial properties, 
multifamily, which is an apartment building, mixed use, office and retail. So, so that's what why we would then why would somebody come to you for a long term hard money? Just because the, the 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 nature of the transaction, which is not a construction, but it's 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 already you know existing structure. They just can't finance anywhere else, and they know that it's going to either cash flow or appreciate. And this is this this money, even though it sounds expensive, it's it's a good investment. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, our long-term hard money is even less expensive. Okay. <laughs> it, it it starts in the fives, or actually, I think will be four nine nine to maybe like mid eights. Uh, it doesn't come with any points. Which is very unique to hard money. Every, every hard money lender charges points. Pretty much, it's a yeah, par. yeah. We'll actually pay rebate, so you know the broker okay. doesn't have to charge any let's, points. Let's, too. Let's give me, give me a without name anything, or give me a specific example of where somebody would come to you and you put together a deal and how it benefited them to pay eight percent on a on a, a long term thirty year mortgage. How does that? What, give me an example. Sure. Well, they want quick close. They're probably getting a, a deal on the real estate. Um, mm-hmm. They're up against every other offer out there that's cash, and they come to, you know, I could close this deal in 15 days. All right. And let's say it's a single-family residence here in Calabasas, and uh, they're getting a little bit of a deal on the price, and they need to take it down quick. Fannie Freddie Lenders are going to take 30 to 60 days, uh, if you're lucky. I, you know, I've been through it. It's, it's horrific going to get a bank loan. Um with us, if the broker brings us a good quality appraisal on the day of submission, we can close that deal. If everybody is rowing in the same direction, which is the number one thing that slows up a deal right. closing is usually borrower. Yeah, it's, and then, it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the borrower. And uh, after that is the appraisal and title. But if everybody's rowing in the same direction and wants to close this deal in five days, we can close a deal in five days on a business purpose loan. On a consumer loan, it's about 13 to 14 days because of trend and all the cool-down periods. Yeah. But at ASSES, we can close very, very quickly with minimal conditions, which I guess takes more risk on our our side. But our max LTV on that is 75%, which is still high for hard money. That is. Um, you, use, you see them a lot of times in the 65 range. Yeah, and, and we have bridge hard money that goes up to 80. Okay. So, you know... Yeah, we're the lowest price hard money lender on the planet. We have the only, we're the only lender that does thirty year fully amortized loans, so there's no gun to your head with a balloon payment. Yeah, we'll that's that's unique. Par. I don't know of anybody but, else that does that. No, yeah, we do it. And no points. Mm-hmm. No one else does that. That's unique too. And and you're gonna have choices of, you know, length of prepay, uh, all the way down to zero. I mean obviously zero, we're gonna charge some points. Right. But um you know, it, it removes that gun to head and allows you to have the easy so, so it's, hard it's, money. So it's somebody who's looking to invest in real estate, and they found something that's great. They don't have the cash put together, but they still they they get a loan from you, and they can they the the goal is I'm going to get involved in this property, and even though the rate's a little bit higher than normal, I'm going to yep. I'm going to make money off. And by the way, of course, most people don't remember this, but I remember when rates were you know in the high teens. So <laughs> if yeah, people, Fannie Mae rates were at fourteen and a half percent in. Eighty-three. When I got in the business in '91, I was refinancing people out of thirteen into nine and a half, and they were doing backflips. Yep. So if you told me you could get four point nine nine, I would have said you're out of your mind. It's impossible. Or eight and a half. It was right. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's just an easier use uh, loan to use. And and look, even if it's four nine nine or 
899, it doesn't matter because they're only going to keep our loan for a short period of time until they can get That's right. what everybody wants, which is a Fannie Freddie loan. You know, maybe they have to file of some course. tax returns. They're going to refinance out of it. Maybe a couple more bank statements together. That's right. Uh, maybe they need to turn the, the down payment was, was a gift, and even on a non-owner. And, you know, Fannie Mae doesn't like that. But in six months, Fannie Mae won't look at the gift of the down payment. They'll just look at it as a rate and term refinance. You can get into Fannie Mae loans after our loans. So, of course, I didn't want to say that because I don't, I don't want to encourage people to get loans through me that I send you. That, but you already know they're going to do that. That you've got it priced. No, I in. already know. Yeah, I, I teach it in my training. Every one of our products, no matter how long the term is, it's a bridge loan. Mm-hmm. It gets borrowers from point A, which they're at now, to point B, where they want to be. Um, and we're the the lender that is helping home ownership and getting borrowed, and maybe the borrowers, it's not a purchase. Maybe it's a refinance and they have a high debt load. And they can prove their income, but their FICO score is in 530s. You know, bank won't give you a loan, but if you paid off all your debt, maybe your FICO score will go up, you know, or maybe it's 600. Even a bank doesn't like that and goes from 600 to 700 because you paid off all your debt, and now you have no debt load, and, yeah. and FICO's recalculated. You know, once again, it's just a bridge loan. People use it for a short period of time, and then they pay us off. And then, you know, on average, forty-eight percent per year pay us off. Uh, so, in two two and a half years, most loans that we make are are not on our books anymore, and they've moved on to greener pastures, which is usually a bank loan or Fannie Freddie loan. So, if you're listening to the show right now and you thought, "How do I get involved in real estate?" or "I have a situation where I'm in trouble financially, but I can't find a way to finance my way out of it," because every bank mortgage broker I've talked to, give me a call. You can reach me off air at 206-250-6545. Again, 206-250-6545. And Brian, I want to say I'm really thankful that I found you guys. I found you through Scotsman, you know, Scotsman Guide, right? And uh, Scotsman Guide's a great place to go. Uh-huh. And because you've got a lot of products here that I didn't have available before. I had little bits and pieces of it, but you've got a lot of stuff here that I can help my clients with. And we've had them for a decade. Yeah. Well... <laughs> We've been around the longest since the great collapse. We went right. Uh, we started, you know, the company that bought my company was out of business, so I, I didn't have a non-compete, so I started another company. And yeah. uh, voila, servicing the the borrowers that can't get a bank loan. And that's all we do. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so builders, if you're listening to this right now, give me a call and see if I can help you with this. That doesn't mean that we, we put together a construction loan here because you can't do that, but there's other options. You could buy a property. Yep. And if the property is in decent condition, then you can remodel it. If it just needs to be yep. have a facelift and then sell it, make yep. a profit, like the client I told you about earlier, his situation was completely different. But I do have loans for that too, and that's yep. uh, he, you know four hundred thousand dollars. It's kind of his side job over two years. wasn't a bad profit for him. No, it wasn't. And that was a pretty it's good for him. Yeah. making the American dream come true. Yeah, you should see this place, man. It's just unbelievable. So any, any other any other uh, hot buttons or things that you think we should communicate to consumers over the, over the air here? Yeah, especially to the consumer loan, the consumer borrower that wants to buy a house. You know, yeah. one of one of besides the down payment, the next biggest hurdle is do I qualify for a loan? Yeah. And when you go to get a qualified mortgage, you know, Fannie, Freddie, a bank loan, they want your tax returns, W twos, and pay stubs, corporate protection. They they want everything. Yeah. You're, you're, Firstborn, they probably want for collateral. Here at Assess, in the end, in the general non-prime arena, we can get more creative. We can look at your cash flow through your personal and business bank statements, mm-hmm. and you can 
not worry about tax returns, W-2s. If you're self-employed, you know, we, we get what happens on your tax returns. Leave your tax returns at home and just show us your K-1s. We'll just go off whatever your K-1 says, just like if it was a W-2. Same if you're a 1099 employee. You're highly commissioned, like a loan officer. Uh, maybe you get paid 1099 selling real estate. I'll just take your 1099s two years or one year 1099 and use that to qualify you. No tax returns. So what you're looking at is a person's uh, gross income instead of their net. Is what you're basically saying. Well, that's what we qualify if you used your W-2 and pay some, we qualify off the gross income. So why don't I do the same thing, but in a more creative way? Right. Uh, I'm doing the exact same thing I'm doing with a W-2, just with a K-1 and a 1099. And it, it's, it, they pay really well. Um, if you're self-employed and it's really complicated, your business, we'll, we'll consider P&Ls with CPA letters that you know, confirm that the P&Ls are correct, and we'll use the profit margin off that. We'll use that income off, off your P&Ls. Um, and it's just creative ways to do 24-month income or 12-month income. Uh, once again, we're looking at the holistic picture mm-hmm. of the borrower. Yeah. We don't want to say no. Got it doesn't it. behoove us to say no. We want to help borrowers get into houses and get the brokers paid for their hard work they do for these borrowers shopping around. And we feel that AFIS brings a boutique service, so we close quicker than our competitors. Um, boutique service, large volume funding. We, we, we do. And you'll do loan amounts up to $15 million, right? Or is it? Oh, uh, we've actually written two approvals for over 20. Okay. Uh, we, never, we never got them to execute. Uh, $15 million we do consider on a day-by-day basis, but more common is, uh, you know, a $5, 6000000 $7 million deal, which is still large, especially in the non-prime arena. Um, that's just like everyday fare for us. And we will also look at loans down to $50,000. Once again, this is all real estate loans. Um, but uh, we do the whole... Let me shift gears here a little bit. So let's just say I have somebody that is looking to invest, and they're thinking about they want to they want to preserve capital. They don't want to be in the stock market anymore. They're in their fifties or sixties, and they're look, they, can they invest in your funds that you use for the private money? Uh, they can if they're a um, accredited investor, right? Uh, and there's you know all they have to do is call up assets. And, I'd like to speak to an investment counselor for the Rama Fund. And we have two investment counselors, and then both owners, uh, co-CEOs, are registered investment advisors. And, and right. we can entertain them uh, as an investor in our fund. And we pay around 8%. I used to be a registered investment advisor, so I'm familiar with yeah. the terminology. So you yeah. can say over the air, because you're not promoting a security, to say we, we, we have a return that's annualized return over the last how many years of around 8% on our fund? I can say that, uh, you know, my attorneys always want to say past performance does not guarantee future performance and all that sort of stuff. But yes, um, we have a 11-year, 12-year track record. I think it's 11 going on 12 of uh, delivering a yield north of 8 to uh, our depositors in the Rama Fund. And once again, they have to be 
Okay. Introduced to our product, yeah. there's sometimes a waiting period, and, and uh, this is not a solicitation for the fund. Nope. You're just asking me questions. I'm asking about, questions, just like, for instance, right, I'm I, just I, answering I, the question. This right. is not an advertisement. Nope. They, they would have to get to know one of our investment advisors yeah. and get all the paperwork. And it's probably a minimum of uh, how much could you need to invest, like 50000 uh, I, You know, I, once again, I, I don't know if I can say that on air. Okay, they would have to speak skip to one it. of let's our registered investment okay. advisors. Just as a general rule, that's how those things work. Yep, okay. yep. There's typically a minimum investment. Yeah, and usually it's a minimum holding period or a prepay penalty if you get out too early, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah it's not that long. No, no but, usually a couple of years. Once again, our fund works. Is, we try to make it as user-friendly uh, for, an, uh, uh, for an investor as, as like getting a loan from us. And if there's a listener out there that's interested in this, give me a call, and I'll make sure I patch you through to the right people to talk to. And... Um, Last but not least, we got a few more minutes here, Brian. What what is your yep. general feeling about the direction of the mortgage industry over the next five years? What do you think is going to any, any big changes? I know there's talk about, you know, there's been movements in Congress periodically talk. Let's get rid of Fannie Freddie, that sort of thing. But you see anything big happening, or pretty much the same as more of the same? I, I, I'm sure it's more of the same. The only thing that really affected affects the mortgage industry wildly is property values in the economy. Yeah. And I think property values this time around have been, you know, increasing uh, in a reasonable manner. And for the reasonable reason, last time it was propped up or inflated by crazy lending standards, and, and oh. this just didn't happen this time. Right. So values are, are pretty solid. And, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think buyers are just now struggling with, can I afford it? I don't see any, you know, imminent downturn in the real estate market. There might be, you know, tiny little corrections. We had yep. one about a year ago. Yep. Tiny little correction. Things mellowed out a little bit. I think that was healthy. Yeah, and we have those um, routinely. It's just you're right about that. Though I remember back in the mid 2000s when people would come into me, who you know made you know, good income, worked at Microsoft, worked at you know other tech companies, and they couldn't <clears throat> they couldn't buy a house unless they did an interest only loan. I looked around. I said, this something's wrong here. <laughs> this is not right. And, uh, right. Now, or the negams were even crazier. Yeah, right. So, you know, we, you're qualifying for less than your, actually more, your actual mortgage cost. So I, I agree with you. I don't see anything really big. Now, of course, back then there were some structural flaws that I didn't understand in the whole securitization of how everything is done. But you're in that side of it more than I. You don't see anything like that. Even securitization right has, uh, you know, made person actually issuing the securities, the ones that, you know, they're financing their loans, hold a 5% piece okay. of the securitization, either the tailpiece or all up and down the stack of the bonds, uh, but they have to hold 5%, right. which means, look, I don't want to securitize these loans if they're all going to blow up. Before 2007, a securitization, they would securitize 100% and be gone with it. It went off to the bond buyers and they just wash their hands. So, hey, if you want to buy the bonds, we'll produce the product. And I think that was also a big problem. Now there's that catch with the 5%, which yep. keeps Makes everybody sense. sane. Well, that's valuable. We've got about 30 seconds left. I want to thank okay. you very much for taking the time with me on the radio today. I hope that this helped some of our my listeners to think of different ways to finance homes. Please feel free to call me at any time to ask questions off air at 206 206- Two five zero six five four five. That's Greg McKim at two zero six two five zero six five four five. 
or you can email me, gmckim at loanzilla.com. I want to thank our guest again, Brian O'Shaughnessy, for being on the air with us today from Athos Capital Group. And, Brian, you have a great weekend, a great uh, you know holiday over the Labor Day. Don't work, don't work on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. I'll try not to, Greg. You have a great weekend. I hope to meet you in person sometime. All right, buddy. Have All right, a nice take day. care, man. See ya.